Coming up on today's Lockdown Mavs, what is the potential for Dante Exum in Dallas? Will he crack the rotation? Will he play a big piece? And a small, small rumor about Jalen Noel and the Mavs have an interest on today's Lockdown Mavs. I'm Luka Doncic, and this is Lockdown Mavs. Don't believe you shouldn't be here. Well, welcome to Lockdown Mavs. This is one of your co-hosts, Isaac Harris, contributor to Mavs.com, Studio 41, Corner 3. Have some cool things planned for this upcoming season over there in the studio. Thanks for listening to Lockdown Mavs every day and for making the show your first listen every single day morning evening whenever you listen to a pod for audio only people for the just the podcast people thank you for listening if you want to subscribe or share the podcast just search lockdown as on your podcast platform of choice if you're on youtube hit the subscribe button and leave a comment leave anything below and here's my question for us today what is dante exum's ceiling next year in dallas or this coming season What's his ceiling? What is the ceiling that he can hit that you believe in it? Uh, or maybe you don't believe in Dante Exum at all. If you want to support the show, you can subscribe on YouTube or Texas through our subtext. We send out rumors, latest news, Q&As, and more. Just click the link in the description to get signed up. All right. Let's do this thing today. Let's talk some Dante Exum. At the end, I'm going to talk about Jalen Noel. Uh, there was a small rumor of a, um, a reporter, a media person there in uh, Minnesota on a podcast, talked about how Dallas is a new team with interest in Jalen Noel. So I'll talk a little bit about him at the at the the end of the show. But I wanted to talk about Dante Exum because I think it was just kind of an under the radar signing for Dallas. That you know when you look at a couple of the guys that are. If you want to, I don't even want to call them like the bonus guys, because, you know, I, I honestly think they made the trade with Sacramento, not because of Rashawn Holmes, but to get the first round pick to get Omax Prosper. They get Rashawn Holmes. They're talking it up. We'll see what type of role Rashawn Holmes has. And in a similar vein, I'm kind of viewing Dante Exum the same way in the sense of like, hey, let's take a shot on a, on a guy who had a lot of potential. I would say Rashawn Holmes showed more in his career before his you know situation in Sacramento last year. But Dante Exum, he's been playing overseas for the past two years, and now they're bringing him back to the NBA. And we're talking about a guy who's the fifth overall pick in his draft. And I'm like, dang, what? how long ago was this draft? I, you know, when I think about Dante Exum, without even deep diving, which I did, and we're going to talk a lot about him today and what his ceiling is, what uh, his role in Dallas could be, kind of like his career path, why did he have to go overseas and then why is he coming back? What has he proved over there? And when I think about Exum, I think about back in his draft in that 2000, which is a little bit longer ago than what I thought. I mean, it's coming up next year will be the 2024 draft will be 10 years since Dante Exum got uh, drafted, which is pretty crazy to think about because he was such a young player then uh compared to you know now it's like all right he's just 28 but you know he got drafted 10 years ago yeah he got drafted when he was uh 18 but 
so he's 28. And so anyway, what I was going to say, I'll go. When I think about Dante Exum, I think I think about when he came out in the draft in 2014 as this unknown, this bigger point guard because the league really hadn't shifted as much to these like bigger creators, bigger ball handlers. You know, now we see guys like Luca handling a ball and stuff, which I know I get it. Luca's not a normal, you know, person out there, but XM was kind of like this unknown coming out of Australia and, you know, Utah takes the chance on him early and we'll talk, you know, what happens after that. But Dante XM, he's 28 years old right now. Some guys that he's younger than right now. He's younger than Terry Rozier. He's younger than Nerlens Noel. He's younger than Duncan Robinson. And get this, he's two years younger than Dorian Finney-Smith. So if you're in the camp saying, all right, it feels like he got drafted forever ago and he's he's old. Well, he's just 28. And some of those guys, I'm like, dang, is he really younger than Nerlens? Or dang, he's younger than Duncan Robinson? Two years younger than Dorian Finney-Smith. So... There's still some potential there. He might be a little younger, might be older, however you want to uh, view him. But his dad, Cecil. So shout out over here. If y'all didn't know, I've been a, a big uh, North Carolina fan for a long time. I have these old cans. And I, for some reason, I like these cans. You can make fun of me if you if you don't like them. If you're, not, if you're not watching on YouTube, you have no clue what I'm talking about. But it's this Carolina blue soda. It's a 1982. I have three of these. Uh, old soda cans and it's the 1982 ncaa championship um the jordan championship for carolina so michael jordan james worthy and cecil exum dante exum's dad which some of you saying i don't care and you know what i say back to you i don't care i think it's kind of a cool little thing and do i am i a little biased because he went to carolina his dad did yeah get off so uh, his dad got drafted in the ninth round, ninth round in a draft. And uh, can you imagine if we had 10 rounds still in the NBA? But um, just want to throw that, throw that little nugget in there. And uh, yeah, Dante Exum's 28. Like I said, he's 6'5", 6'10", wingspan. Then you go to the 2014 draft. So who else was in the 2014 draft? I'm glad that you asked. Number one overall in the 2014 NBA draft was Andrew Wiggins. Uh, this was the Wiggins Jabari Parker draft. Shout out to the Slam magazine I have of both those guys on the front thinking that was going to be worth something one day. Uh, Joel Embiid was number three in that draft. Aaron Gordon, number four, and Dante Exum, five. Some other notable players in this draft. Julius Randle, Marcus Smart, uh, Zach Levine, Clint Capella, uh, if you go on down there, even looking in the second round, our very own Dwight Powell, Jordan Clarkson, Spencer Dinwiddie, a lot of guys in the second round. And I think there's a guy that some people have heard of. You guys might have heard of him. Second round pick, 41st overall, Nikola Jokic uh, went to Denver in that draft. So those are some guys from his draft class. Uh, what happened in, in Utah? So something's happening in Utah. What happened in Utah for that's something I had to go back and look at. I'm like, all right, why didn't it work out? And you start looking at his injuries and it's, it's pretty sad. If you think about it, he, so he blows out. He, he goes, he has his rookie year in Utah is going into his second season in Utah. He's actually 
in Slovenia playing basketball for Australia. He blows out his knee, tears his ACL. So then he's out his whole second season. Then after that, he comes back and it's really, it's year three. It's kind of year four of his career, but year three that he's playing. He only plays in 14 games because he has a shoulder injury. Then he has, you know, as we're going down through his career in Utah, he has a partially torn patella tendon in the spring of 2019. And then later on that year, that's when they trade him to Cleveland for Jordan Clarkson. So you can't help. Yes, there, there were shot issues. This is the biggest thing for him was his jump shot. He was coined as this super athletic, this super springy, this super big point guard that we you know don't see a ton of. 2014 comes under draft, and they draft him based off this potential, the body at the point guard spot. Like, oh my gosh, he has athleticism. Is this a Westbrook? Is this a Derrick Rose? How can he be? Then he has all these injuries: the torn ACL, the patella tendon, the shoulder injury, and there's so many smaller injuries too. Like, I found this old Reddit post that said, "Is Dante Exum the the most unluckiest player uh, in the NBA, or in for injuries?" Sorry, I was getting a uh, message about Dante Exum on my watch there. Um, but I, that's the part about it. That's kind of crazy is it's almost like a, what if in Utah now? Yes. You could go and ask people that's closer, uh, to the jazz team, you know, during the XM run and, uh, heck go reach out to David Locke and ask him about Dante XM. And I'm sure they'll tell you a lot about injuries and stuff too, but it's just, they eventually had to turn the page and they turned the page by shipping him off for Jordan Clarkson. And that obviously turned out really good for them. Uh, they traded XM and a couple second rounds and second round picks for Clarkson. That was late in 2019 and or actually, yeah, that was later on that year. Then they trade, you know, so he goes to Cleveland and then it's just a few months later is March, 2020. And that's when the world shuts down. So he goes to Cleveland. It's kind of like the second opportunity for him all right, let's do this thing. He plays in 24 games and everything shuts down. And then bam, COVID happens. And then he comes back, he plays in six more games for Cleveland and he gets traded in the monster multi-team deal of James Harden going from Houston to Brooklyn. And he's in that, like, I think it's four teams and he ends up going to Houston where he never plays a game. And they just, they end up releasing him and he goes overseas in you know 2021 that's his nba career like if i'm him i'm sitting back saying man like why did i get dealt these cards like what what is what is happening in my career of all these injuries then he gets a second chance at cleveland and then covid happens bam bam it's houston he doesn't play bam he's overseas and that was dante exum's nba career leading up to where he kind of revitalize his whole career in Europe for these past two years. Let's take a quick break and then we'll be back talking more about Dante Exum. And then at the end, we'll talk about some Jalen Noel. FanDuel. This podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. All right. So I pulled up our, the baseball, some baseball odds for the world series. How many of y'all are watching baseball right now? Um, I'm not watching a ton of baseball, but I do know the Texas Rangers are doing well because they live or they play really close to where I live. Also, my childhood team, the Cincinnati Reds, is actually doing pretty decent right now. So I'm pretty excited about watching the Reds. These are the odds right now for the win in the World Series. Braves are leading the way, plus 300. The Dodgers are plus 380. Tampa Bay Rays, plus 600. Gosh, I remember when they sucked really bad. 
Houston Astros plus 950, and then your Texas Rangers at plus 1,000. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount and bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just 20 bucks, you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. All on an app that's safe, secure, super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. That's enough of the music. Sorry. I am. I'm seriously debating. I have it on a tab on my uh, browser right now. I have a soundboard pulled up. I don't have it in my cart yet, but I'm getting there. Should I buy it? That's I know you are going to say yes, but it's like, man, do I want to drop the cash? Do I need to walk into the living room and and tell my wife, hey, I'm going to drop multiple hundred dollars on a soundboard. And she's going to say, cool, what's that for? So I can have cool noises like Nick. And that just sounds like I'm the middle schooler who's saying, hey, can I get this toy? Because my friend in class has this toy. It's pretty much what it is. And it ultimately comes down to, do I want more shoes or do I want a new soundboard? Might do the soundboard. Also, if you could tell me what new pair of shoes I have on my shelf behind me, got a new pair the other day. Uh, and if you're a YouTube watcher, if you could tell me what pair and why the pair is significant, um, you'll, I don't know, get a prize or something. All right, let's, let's continue talking about Dante Exum. Some of you really hate when I do solo pods, so you're loving this right now. I do have a guest lined up for later in the week, so I think it'll, it'll be a lot of fun. So Exum heads over to Europe, place for Barca, place for Belgrade. All right. That's Barcelona, by the way. And this is where he, like, honestly changes his whole shot. Like, in, in three seasons, he, here's a stat for you. In three seasons in the NBA, that he only, he only attempted more than 53s a season in three of his seasons in the NBA before he headed off to Europe. In those three seasons in which he took at least 53s, this this was his three-point percentage, 31%, 29%, 29%. And honestly, the 31% was his rookie year in the league. And he shot it. He, that was the most threes he shot in his entire career in the NBA. And he shot at 31%. The shot has always been his thing, okay? Super athletic, can play dang good defense, and you know, is super fast. You start looking at, I was looking at a bunch of his uh, draft profiles and stuff. And, you know, they were really hyping up his speed is in the end speed, you know, getting into the paint, all that stuff, but it all came down to his shot. So he wasn't a good three point shooter in the NBA. He heads to Europe for these past two years, last year alone, catch and shoot shots, 44%. If you, we talk about synergy a lot on this podcast, they have these rankings from poor to excellent. He was in the excellent category on synergy and catch and shoot shots. You look at three point percentage as a combined three point percentage in the last two years in Europe, he was 54 of 129. That equals the 42% from behind the arc. 
42% from three. That And this isn't a thing of, hey, he shot 42%, but you know what? That's he only shot like 33 threes in two years. No, he had he shot 129 threes in two years. So then I went back and watched clip after clip after clip catch and shoot shots. I watched that and we always reference that because of the makeup of this team, right? Luka Doncic, Kyrie Irving's gonna have the ball all the time. The pieces around them, you got to look at the catch and shoot shots. I'm not sitting there gonna watch clip after clip. I'm not spending an hour watching every single dribble pull-up shot from Dante Exum because that's not gonna be what his what's asked of him. That's not what we care about right now. Can you hit an open shot? Can you hit an open shot from three in the corner? That's what I want to know about. That's what I want to know if you could do. And the past two years in Europe, that's what Dante Exum has done. And man, I mean, somebody I just got a text from somebody and they said Europe has helped him so much in his career and changing his shot and, and all of that. And just watching the confidence on it, watch it, watching the uh, fluidity of it. And honestly, reminded me a little bit of Josh Green's shot of not the form and all that stuff, but seeing how confident Josh Green was this past season compared to the you know, previous seasons before that. And so it made me, I was like, dang, like it looks so more smooth now. And that's what it comes down to Dante Exum. And, and honestly, I just tweeted out a little bit ago. I tweeted out uh, two to three dunks he had. This is one of my favorite things about him. Last year, he had 38 dunks. And did I go back and watch all 38 dunks? Absolutely, because I love when people dunk. And I love when people go through the lane and they're like, we don't care. I, we're going to go for this dunk. And this dude is yamming on people. And. I'm just impressed that he's still yamming on people after all of these injuries that he has, the torn ACL, torn patellar like all this stuff, lower body and upper body that he's had, and he's still going in and just yamming on people, having the confidence of driving driving a lane, explosive, taking people off the dribble and dunking it on people in the lane. That's pretty dang exciting. So if you say, all right, Isaac, that's cool. I've heard, you know, heard his whole spill. You gave me the whole spill. He's played in four playoff series. Um, two second rounds, so he has some playoff experience too. What's his role? Is there a is there a way that he cracks the rotation? I actually do because look at the guard rotation right now. So you got Luca and Kyrie, and then after that, they didn't go out and trade for a you know a, a definitive backup point guard to be their third ball handler. When Spencer Dinwiddie came in, he was the definitive third ball handler. Now it's this collection of guards off the bench that. This is where, man, we got to see how what the combos look like. Jaden Hardy, Dante Axum, Seth Curry, Tim Hardaway Jr., Josh Green. Who's going to be the one handling the ball? It, is there going to be one handling the ball? Because Luke and Kyrie is going to offset these minutes. Who <clears throat> Who's going to run the most with Kyrie? Who's going to run the most with Luka? And this is the cool thing that Dante Axum has that, honestly, the other ones don't. It's closer to Josh is he has the defense. He has the ability to guard these other point guards in the league that right now you're looking at Josh Green as the only guy like Reggie Bullock's gone. So Josh Green's the only guy who's picking up some of these points. And after that, it's Dante Exum because you're not asking Kyrie to do that. We know you're not asking Luca. You're not throwing Jaden Hardy or Seth Curry or Tim Hardaway out there and say, hey, pick up some of these point guards out there. No, it's going to be Dante Exum. So that's where, man, if his shot can continue and translate back to the NBA of how it was in Europe, 
there is a role for him. Can you see him running on the fast break with the explosiveness and transition, but also the defense in the corner threes playing with Kyrie in the second unit? Yeah, I could see that. That'd be a lot of fun. Could you see if Kyrie's, you know, sitting on the bench, let's say they like the Kyrie Seth combo. What if they like him playing next to Luca? Could you see that? Yeah. Dante Exum, six, five, six, 10 wingspan guard, defending other guards, playing alongside Luca, hitting a corner three. So is there a path for him to crack the rotation? I think so. He signed a two-year deal. He's making around $3 million a year. I want to see him get a chance. I, I want to see how he looks in camp. I want to talk to more people around the team about what they see from him. Um, yeah, and, and kind of their mindset of them signing him this offseason, you know, bringing him back to the NBA and all that stuff. So let's take another quick break, and then uh, we'll be back. I'll say a few more things about XM, and then we'll talk about Jalen Noel. All right. Oh, dang it. I didn't do the music. All right. It's too late now. Sorry. I was already thinking about the third segment. So don't come, don't come at me too hard. All right. Not too hard. All right. Are you excited about XM or am I? There's another reason why I did this podcast because I feel like since we did a podcast on Rashawn Holmes, we kind of need to do a podcast on, on Dante Exum. Uh, not doing a whole Mike Miles episode. Sorry. I, I like him. I'm glad he's on a two-way, but I'm not really doing like full episodes on, you know, a, a profile of, of a two-way guy. Probably. I don't think that YouTube, you know, views are going to be hopping on that one. SEO is going to be treating us well on that one, but uh, SEO might not even treat us well on this one. But I think it's worthy of talking about because I do think there is a pathway for Dante Exum to get some minutes this this coming season. And especially, I mean, we don't know what other trades they're making either. Like, let's go ahead and uh, talk about Jalen Noel. Um, so every once in a while, I'll click on Hoopsite. Uh, you know, I'm not really listening to a lot of local uh, Minnesota sports uh, podcasts. Uh, that's, you know, not really in my rotation right now. But clicked on Hoopsite. Then went and listened to a little clip of, um, let me get the name right, Darren Wolfson. He's been in the media, Minnesota media world for a long time. Uh, of SKOR North. Bingo. Solid. Solid. Um, he said it on the podcast, basically, that the Mavericks are a new team on Jalen Noel's radar. That, you know, Minnesota... He's not coming back to Minnesota and the Mavericks are interested, but he said the Mavericks are looking to do some other things and seeing how it shakes out. And he said, Noel's camp once again, like we've been talking about, like a lot of people probably around the league right now is waiting on the fallout of the Damian Lillard and all those trade sweepstakes and all of that. So I feels like everybody's kind of on hold until those things happen. So why would the Mavericks be interested in Jalen Noel? Who is Jalen Noel? Um, Jalen Noel's 24 years old. He was second round pick in 2019. I think he went to Washington. Didn't write that down. Um, his combo guard Duke can get, get buckets. And, uh, so he's, he's like six, four, uh, maybe six, three on there, but shot 41% from three. He, uh, has some great isolation numbers. And honestly, if it's like I said a little bit ago, he's a combo guard and can get buckets. I'm not gonna lie. I'm kind of confused. Like if, if they don't make any other roster moves, you know, they have this one roster spot, one main roster spot, uh, open 
right now that they could go a bunch of different routes on. Um, bringing in, using that spot on another like combo guard, um, combo scoring guard is would be fascinating to me. Whenever you have Jaden Hardy, you have Seth Curry, you have at the moment Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't even know what the answer is to that, right? Like, I mean, at some point you say, well, Isaac, you got it. You know, we have all these bigs. We have, you know, I I think my preference would be like a bigger wing or something like that. But it's, you know, we'll see. So I think he has put up some buckets in, in Dallas before. I could be wrong on this, but I think Bobby Corral, I should have just texted Bobby before this. I think Bobby Corral likes uh, Jalen Noel. Not that he could actually say that uh, on a, podcast or anything but um i probably just got him in trouble or something sorry sorry bobby if you hear this um but i, I feel like we've had a conversation before in the press box like oh yeah he's a nice player i like him and um so anyway if uh yeah let's let's keep on going so also small the rumor is the uh clint capella are do we have clint capella fatigue at the moment I feel like we've talked about Clint Capella so much. Um, Hoop Collective podcast, Tim McMahon talking to Brian Windhorse. A lot of times, Bob Timms is on there, and Capella gets brought up. I think they're talking about Cleveland and their roster. For some reason, talk about Bigs. They say McMahon says says Clint Capella is on the trade block. Dallas Mavericks would love to have a, a center like Capella. Um, so just another national guy, especially somebody who's very well plugged into the Mavericks, you know, saying that the Mavericks would love to get him, that he is on the trading block and all of that. I mean, I feel like we've said this a lot on this podcast, but Clint Capella would fit great in Dallas. So yes, if Dallas is waiting out, it, see what Atlanta does with either Siakam or Damian Lillard and all that stuff, then I think it's worth the wait. And I mean, everything depends on the price. If they do get Capella, how much does it cost? Does it make you give up the first round pick or something else? Are there other pieces involved? What does it look like? But if Dallas could get Clint Capella and still keep most of their main assets, let's say it's something around a Tim Hardaway for Clint Capella. Maybe, you know, there's some other stuff in there that would make this offseason that would catapult it. Of to where you could walk away from the offseason saying, man, we brought back Kyrie, we traded for Clint Capella, we got these two rookies in here, and you know, Omax and Derek Lively. Then we, you know, signed some guys like Dante Exum and Seth Curry and took a flyer in Rashawn Holmes. Like, this is the type of roster shifting, roster turnover that they talked about and would be incredible for the team and incredible to have everything Clint Capella does in Atlanta. They would ask him to do the same things in Dallas play similar styles, playing pick and roll with Trey, playing pick and roll with Luca, defending the paint, rebounding, all the stuff, the veteran experience. So I get it. I, you know, doesn't have a long-term contract. He would be a, the perfect stopgap center for Derek Lively. Guys Lively, you know, a year or two, all of that. So, um, yeah, man, he would just be great in Dallas. I wish they could get him. So that's Clint Capella. That's Jalen Noel. Um, hopefully... You learned a little bit about Dante Exum. It was fun for me to go back and honestly just look at uh, his career path. And, you know, as this guy who came in in 2014 as a top five pick and has had all these injuries, and I'm like, why asking the question? You know, why kind of like Rashawn Holmes, why didn't you play the past two years? 
and go back and doing the research on that and seeing you know, how the Sabonis trade impacted that and then some of the other directions they were going the roster. And then with Dante Exum, why did you have to go overseas? Why is the shot real? And like we won't know that until you know he actually plays in Dallas. I, I'm going to make a prediction now, which my last prediction I made in the pod was Derek Lively would hit a few threes in a summer league game, <laughs> and uh, that didn't happen. Here's my next prediction. I think Dante Exum's going to be one of the training camp day, like the coaches highlight him in uh, post-training camp media. I think he's going to be one of the stories of one of the training camp days of, man, Dante Exum was just really popping out there, defending hard, had a couple monster dunks. He's really working his butt off. We're really impressed with him. I think he's going to be one. And then all the blogs and the local beat reporters, all that stuff's going to be talking about XM, his role and all of that. So that's my prediction. Training camp, uh, which you know, you're looking at end of September, first day or so of October, that uh, we're going to get some Dante XM stories and all that. I'm happy to have him on the team. It all the stuff too, character-wise, it feels like he's another like Dwight Powell in a sense of just how professional he is. And all of that, but uh, yeah, excited to see what he brings, see what kind of role he has on the team, and uh, yeah, they're gonna need his defense. If he if his shot can translate, I think his defense and everything else will 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 make him at least get some minutes off the bench. Guys, it's been good. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, we're definitely gonna have a guest later in the week. Uh, might have a, might have a guest tomorrow too. Got to double check some things. Thanks for hanging in there as, as always. And uh, yeah, Nick's in Mexico. If you uh, missed yesterday's pod, he's on vacation with his wife. So hope he's doing well. I texted him something dumb earlier. He didn't respond. So uh, hope he's doing well. I'm <laughs> enjoying Mexico. So uh, yeah, it's been good. Talk to you tomorrow. Peace out. Boo.